Hello and welcome to uh, yet another very special episode of the Rangers Rundown in which uh, Mike and I will discuss everything free of the tyrannical burdens of our podcast overlord Hayden. So, hi Mike, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. It's good to be free from his shackles. It is. You know what else is good to be free from? Losing streaks. Yes. Yes, that's a very good thing. You know, it's easy to lose perspective in a season where we're told, uh, you know, there, there's no stakes here. It's a, it's a rebuilding season. You know, pressure's off. Man, it really sucks to lose five games in a row. It does. It I don't actually want to watch the Rangers lose. No. No, it's especially not. when they were surprising everyone. You know, 500 team, there's some hope. Oh, wait, there's the Astros. Yeah. Oh, wait, there's Elvis Andrews getting hurt. Come on, man. Like, uh, it's a hamstring, right? Yes, it is. Not Hearing good. it's nothing major, only a 10-day uh, IL. I still hate that term. Um, I'm going to trip over it for a while. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I'm old school. I don't know why they have to keep changing things. <laughs> what do they start renaming the positions? They're not going to call them shortstops next season because uh, the shift is so prevalent. We'll just they'll call them something else. Club you know, guy. Hey, you know who's good against shifts? Joey Gallo. Not what I was going for, but sure, he's improving. Just hits it over the shift. No, that would be uh, one Willie Calhoun. Who's who, Willie Calhoun? It's a new guy. Probably haven't heard of him. Uh, very little fanfare. Just uh, he's kind of a bench guy. I heard he was old and fat and not good. Yes, but I was listening to the radio broadcast a little bit this afternoon, and twice they mentioned... And Calhoun hits it to short, but there's nobody at short, so that one's going to squeak right on through, and, and he made them pay. And, and then they said, okay, 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 we're just kidding, enough of these shifts. He said, okay, then I'll just hit a home run. Yeah, I mean, there, there's something definitely to be said for kind of taking what the defense has given to you, and we've always been told that he's a bat-to-ball guy who just will find a way of getting, getting the ball in play. Yeah, yeah. He, I don't think he's struck out. Nope, no K's yet. Uh, and I don't think he's walked, which, if you're not striking out, I don't care if you're not walking. He's not a big walk guy in the minors, but he does he does walk at a, an acceptable rate. It's a three true outcomes. Single, extra base hit, and home run. There you go. The only outcomes I want to see. Yes. Uh, so, yes, he is yeah. off to a roaring start. Got a home run, a two-run homer yesterday in his uh, 2019 debut. Uh I think it's pretty obvious. He's he's saying, I'm not going back down. And if he keeps playing like he's playing, there's no way they can. No, yeah, if he keeps uh, leading the team in hitting. <laughs> <laughs> and on-base percentage, and slugging percentage, and ops. Yeah. 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 He's got the 1,500 ops going right now, which uh, is about twice league average. And, you know, he's doing this with a 250 BABIP, so uh, I'm pretty sure a rudimentary understanding of math tells me he's only going to get better from here. Right? Is that how uh, BABIP works? Yeah. Yeah. yeah 100%. I, uh, he's got a 0.3 war through two games, which a uh, little nifty calculating says that he's on pace for a 24 war season. <laughs> Our stubby little Barry Bonds. <laughs> He does have a 297 WRC plus. That seems pretty sustainable. He's maybe uh, more of a 197 true talent hitter. Yeah, you know, I expect that will come down. But uh, whew. 
It's been it's been a good start. Um, and the thing that's really said it to me, especially on that home run he had to start the game off yesterday or to follow up Shinsuchu, is that he went down and, and kind of took a not a home run pitch. It was Beltre esque. I mean, he almost went down yeah. to a knee. It, it was and really fun to watch. He had another one that he came down to nearly a knee later in the game. But both of those were doing exactly what we're told he does, which is get the bat on the ball. If the pitch isn't where he would want it normally, he is able to readjust his hands and his body to put himself in a position to do some damage. Speaking of doing some damage, uh, Curtis Terry, uh, big boy Curtis Terry, just cranked one for Hickory. Who, buddy? Nice. Straight away center field over the batter's eye? Nice. Go over the, no, it hit the batter's eye. Okay. Okay. Dang. <laughs> uh, and that's in a, a duplicate of Fenway Park. So he hit that just straight away center in what would have been Fenway. Uh, Curtis Terry's a big man. Straight away center is nothing to play around with in uh, Boston. That's deep. That's a big ball. That's a big ball. Um but Willie Calhoun going down and taking that like low and kind of crappy pitch and being kind of out in front of it where he's able to readjust everything he's doing to just hit the ball, that's cool. I mean, that, that's that, that backs up that whole, you know, what's your position, two-hole kind of thing, you know? Well, he just hits. Hope he yeah. keeps doing it. Yeah. And he's serviceable in the outfield. He uh, made a catch, had to chase it down to the warning track, and he was able to do it. He uh, did not embarrass himself out in the field today. You can definitely see that he's in better shape than he yeah. was last year and, and, and in 2017. He looks trimmer. He's running around well. Um, and he looks like he, he – he, I don't know how to really quantify this or how to defend it, but in the two games that he's been up, I, something about him makes him look like, I'm a professional ball player. This is what I do. I'm a member of the Texas Rangers. This is my job. Like, I'm going to come up here and I'm going to play baseball. He doesn't look like he's uh, too big for it or – too small for it. He just he's not overcompensating. He just looks comfortable. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like last year he didn't make the team and he took it very personally and he pouted and it showed in his results early on and that was hard for him to to climb out of. And this year he gets sent down. He's not happy. Well, what does he do? He channels that anger or whatever you want to call it and is getting results and, and it's even more amplified now that he's at, back up with the major league team he just looks like a man on a mission and that's what you want out of your ball player oh yeah for sure um, that's exactly it is that we were told last year that he did not handle that demotion well and they were told this year that he handled that demotion he was mad about it but that like you said he focused it and look uh, I think there was a ton of digital ink spilled psychoanalyzing a 23-year-old last season who didn't handle being told that he wasn't good enough to play Major League Baseball that season. He didn't handle that well. And far be it from us to sit in and pretend that our... Because uh, you have, what, three PhDs in psychiatry and uh, I'm, you know, I'm working on my, my second. Um, you know, we're, we're phenomenal analyzers of men we've never met. I, I can't tell you what was going through his head, but he was a 23-year-old who kicked ass at everything he'd ever done playing baseball before that, and then kind of got told, mm, eh, we'll see. Yeah, I, I probably wouldn't... I don't know that I could say that even at 23, I, I would have made the correct decision then. And he's making the most of it now. You know, he, it clearly has not continued to affect him. He was hitting very well with Nashville, and it's obviously two tiny games... We, we, we may be really regretting this hot take in three weeks, 
but so far, this is what you wanted to see out of Willie Calhoun. Well, and if, and if you're going to criticize the guy for, for pouting last year, letting it affect his game, he could have done a lot worse. He could have crawled inside of a bottle and been just a train wreck. Yeah. Get a DWI or gets in a fight in a, in a bar, pulls mm-hmm. a Porzingis, gets jumped. <laughs> well, he didn't do, uh, oh, who is it, the, uh, the pitcher who keeps hurting himself, punching things. Uh, he's done it twice now in the last couple seasons. Uh, man, is it Joe Kelly I'm thinking of? Sure. I think it's Joe Kelly. I, no, sue I me, Joe Kelly, if you're yeah. not the guy, whatever. Joe Kelly, listen to our podcast. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, like you said, he didn't go just like stupid. He didn't go get in a fight. He didn't go uh, fight a manager. He didn't cuss somebody out or break his hands punching walls. Or punch he, a girlfriend in, in frustration. <whistles> yeah, I mean, sorry, but it happens. I mean, we He did it. not manifest it in anything other than uh, maybe taking a very strange approach to baseball on the field. Yeah. And you know what? Uh, if you've ever had a, a setback at work and then have gone in and pouted at work and done work pout things, I've done it. You know, I, I've been mad about uh, you know a case that I've been handed and, and not feeling I'm getting my supervisor support or that the you know rules I have to follow don't work out, whatever it is. And then you take that out on other other parts of your job. Sure, I think I've done a pretty good job of never taking that out on my coworkers if it's not their fault or my wife. It happens. Uh, if you're going to manifest some bad behaviors, manifest them in the context of where those behaviors sprout from, I guess. Uh, and then when you're given your next chance, come up and hit home runs in consecutive games. Well, what, he went four for seven today, I think? He did. Yeah. Do that. Uh, rock a, a, I mean, shame on Willie Calhoun for not having a, a, a WRC plus over 300 after two games. Has to settle for a measly 297. It'll do. It'll. I'd be fine with this. You know what? I'd even allow him to go down to uh, like a 200 WRC plus. I'd be okay with that too. Maybe 225. Yeah, I mean, that's that's better. We'll edit that. We'll fix that in post. 225 is what I said the whole time. <laughs> so it's, I hope he keeps mashing. Uh, I hope he keeps looking good. Um, I guess the the logical question is: At what point do we see Willie Calhoun play second base? Uh, you know, I mean, John Daniels has has come out and said. Yes, that is something that we're considering that we might need to uh, demote Rugnet Odor, and that would not be the worst thing in the world. The guy has options, and he's obviously not performing, although he did okay today. Two home runs in two innings is not shabby, but I think he's still hovering around a 160 batting average, which is not, it's not doing good things. No. Uh, and... Yes, he did hit two home runs. He hit them in the eighth and ninth innings of a Against runaway position game. players, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of mean to Ian Kennedy, Mike, but... <laughs> I don't but you're not, you're not that wrong. Yeah. I mean, by that, that point, the game was 10-1 to 1 or so, uh, and uh, Ricky Cracks went off a of Kennedy, who has not been good in a couple seasons, and then uh, he hit one off Chris Owings, who was a one-time kind of interesting shortstop prospect who sort of bounced around with the Diamondbacks and Royals now. So, yeah, I mean, better to get home runs off the position player than to not hit home runs off the position player. Yes. But... Because, to my knowledge, he's the only one who hit a home run off a position player, correct? Um, Hunter Pence did, too. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. I knew he hit one late. I thought it was still against the pitcher, though. Oh, well. Yeah. Pence cranked one. Hunter Pence still doing Hunter Pence things. If uh, anybody listening to this, for some, again, I don't know how anybody listens to this podcast and doesn't read Levi Weaver, but if you have not read Levi's article on uh, Hunter Pence's swing, really interesting dive into the like, mechanics of a swing, leading a lot of video and just talking to uh, hitting instructors. Very cool from that. But it's got like the typical Levi just bonkers good writing mixed into it. He has a description of uh, Mr. Pence's swing that is poetic. Something about cats trapped in a closet with smoke alarms going off. It's I mean, so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that, uh, to refocus it to the more depressing side, uh, Rugnet Odor's continued struggles, uh, I think it presents a really difficult question for Texas in that at some, at some point you have to say a guy who, what, so I know he's batting like under 170, but it's not like his peripheral numbers are looking particularly sexier than that. Right. Uh, let's, let's go take a, let's go depress myself. Oh, don't do it. Let's do Rugnet Don't Odor. do it. We're going to do the whole Don't thing here. Uh, Rugnet Odor after today is uh, slashing 167, 244, 343. So if his on-base was his batting average and his slugging was his on-base, we would say it was fine with room for improvement. <sighs> yeah. I mean, he is walking at an 8% rate. Which I believe would be a career high for him. <laughs> that's average. I, I think eight percent. I think that's around where league average walk rate is, which is good because I don't think so. Historically, I think eight percent is uh, is right. Okay. Uh, now you're making me question myself here. Let me pull up my uh, my article on average stats. Doop doop doop. Uh, on base percentage, three thirty five. That where's that walk rate? Where's the walk rate? Oh no! Oh no! I don't remember where this is. Whatever. I I think it's about right. Sure, uh, we'll go with it. I want to say that's in the. I'm not going to fight range. you. Yeah, I want to say that's in the in the correct range at least for league average is about about eight uh, percent. But the strikeout rate is at thirty seven thirty five percent, which is not good. Um. Babip is low, but he's not really hitting the ball very hard. I mean, he had a couple of hard hits in the first game against the Royals that just didn't fall for, for base hits. But the the power hasn't particularly been there. The two home runs today were only his fourth and, and fifth of the season. And for a, a power forward second baseman, you know, who was just cranking these things, you know, in, in 2016 and 17, he hit, over, he hit 30 home runs in both years. Um, yeah, that 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 power was lacking last season. Only got to 18 dingers in 129 games, and it's it's not really been there for him so far this year. I, I there's a question to be asked about at what point do you say, uh, Rugi, you're gonna need you're you're hurting the team enough that you need to go and play in AAA and kind of figure your stuff out, and we're gonna let Calhoun play second base. What does that look like in the clubhouse? You know, Adore is a is a core member of this team. He came up with all these players. Joey, Nomar, Brugge, Guzman, uh, to some extent, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Like, these guys all came up as a group. They are very good friends. There's been a lot talked about how important they are to each other and how that's really helping perpetuate the Rangers' uh, clubhouse vibes. How okay, do you I, tell the team that Rudnett has to go to AAA? 
Yeah, I, I mean, let's talk about that because how does it look in the clubhouse? Well, you know, if I was JD, I would say it should look as if, hey, I better take care of my own stuff and I better be producing the way a major league player is supposed to be producing because if not, I'm going to be in the same boat. And I'm looking at you, Nomar Mazzara. I'm looking at you, Ronald Guzman. I know, I know he just came back from injury, but, you know, it's, it's time for some of these guys to step up and say, we're the core. Believe in us, and we're ready to move forward. Because if they're not, it, there's, a, there's a lot of people out there, especially on Lone Star Baldur, saying, let's trade for some magic beans and cut bait and move forward. Because if these are not the guys, then we've got a big problem. Because you can't build a World Series team, at least not in Arlington, with, you know, 10 to 15 high-priced free agents. Yeah, it cannot just be happen. Joey Gallo. No. Our beloved son. No. Or Gallo and Calhoun. Or Gallo and Calhoun and Elvis. It, it, it's it's mm-hmm. got to be, you know, a half to two-thirds of your position players. It's got to be two-fifths of your starting rotation at least. You, you, you gotta, you've got to be able to develop your own and mix that with free agents. You can't do the whole thing with free agents. So I, I'm, I'm all for it being nut-cutting time with these guys. So I don't care how it looks in the clubhouse. That's that's just me. Yeah, and um, maybe this is why we're not professional baseball managers. Um, you know, I, I, it's hard to say how much it matters, right? Uh, what is what does the discussion look like in a clubhouse? What does it mean to guys to see a, a player go down if he quote unquote deserves or does not deserve it? You know, what kind of influence does that have on on play and on? morale and on, on guys believing in things but we did just see Delano DeShields get sent down after struggling due to sort of positional decisions having to be made um, and I don't think we've seen a, a, a I haven't heard anything at least about a revolt going on uh, with the players no they should understand and yeah you want to give these guys some leeway to figure things out but when you keep seeing the same thing over and over, you know, it's, it's, it's obvious it's not working. And maybe, maybe someone like Delino can have a rude awakening and he gets down there and says, you know what, riding on this bus to the next town really sucks. I, I'm going to figure it out. I, I, I want nothing but the best for him. Great character guy, love his fielding, love his speed, but he can't bat. Yeah, do you remember a couple of years ago when, when folks were talking about how, how much it sucked that Delano Shields was a bad center fielder? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's an amazing center fielder now. Like, he just decided to be good at it. Um, and he worked his ass off. I mean, he clearly put in a ton of effort in the off-seasons to get good at playing a position. And he was kind of thrown out there into center field. He had been a, a second baseman for much of his career and then was asked to go out and, and play center basically because he was fast. Um, and to some extent, I mean, it's a little bit better, but do uh, you remember playing in, you know, Pop Warner football? They just asked, like, okay, well, let's put the fat kids on the line. It's like, is that is that how that works? Like, I, I played a lot of youth soccer, and they put the, just the big kid played goalkeeper. Say, like, actually, that's not a good idea. You need an athlete back there. You don't want to just put the big guy. That's not going to be conducive. On your Little League teams, the big kid played catcher. How many giant catchers are there? non-Sam Huff category. Well, there's Buster Posey. 
I mean, there's there's definitely some big boys. Salvador Perez is huge. There's lots of lots of big guys out there. But all baseball oh, players. Oh, I'm are so disappointed now. in you. Giant <laughs> catchers. Yeah, you go. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. You see what I did there? Well, he's gonna be replaced by Joey Bart soon enough, anyway. Okay. Good old Joey Bart. <laughs> Looks like we're gonna have a. Um, was Bart the first overall pick in the draft last year? Do you remember? I do not. I he, I know he was up there. No, Casey Mize was with uh, uh, Detroit, and he's kicking ass. Casey Mize went to Auburn. I saw him pitch in college. Casey Mize is super good. Uh, I believe he threw a no-hitter like three weeks ago. Uh, he nice. looks very, very good for Detroit. So uh, another uh, an Alabama guy who plays for Detroit is Spencer Turnbull, who I also watched a lot in college. It's very cool to see him having a good season. Any of you uh, uh, deeper fantasy league guys, go look up Spencer Turnbull. I pretty much guarantee nobody in your league owns him because he plays for Detroit. But, hey, he's kind of fun. He's doing some good stuff out there. But back to Calhoun Odor. I think there's also an, uh, something to be said that the front office is in a good position with Calhoun coming up and hitting if he can continue to do that and if he can uh, play a game or two at, at second base. Because if Rugnet were to be sent down, he would be being sent down for a top prospect who's hitting and who has done the things that the team asked him to do in terms of rebuilding himself and of working his ass off. Um, if he was being sent down for Danny Santana or Logan Forsyth, I think the other young players have a good reason to be complaining. Neither of those guys is going to matter on the next Rangers team unless they get traded for some guy who is a pop-up relief prospect. Like Santana and Forsyth, even if they have great seasons, are not going to be traded for top 100 prospects. Those are just not who they are. And they're not going to be around next season. They're Danny Santana and Logan Forsyth. Even Hunter Pence, who's having a great season, I think you could get mad if you were saying the 36-year-old with coming off, what, three consecutive bad years is the reason that you send down a young, you know, capital C core second baseman. But if Calhoun comes up, can play second base, and looks good doing it and keeps hitting, I I think it gives the, the management team a bit of an out, and it gives the players an out, too. At some level, these guys know that Ruggie is not playing well right now. They know. They're, yeah, you're going to get Joey and Nomar if they're saying the right things about supporting their boy and, and how he's putting in the work and how they believe in him. But they know he's batting like 150. They're aware of that stuff. Well, well, give on, them top of the that, on top of that, these guys, they're all ultra competitive. I mean, yeah. they, they want to win. At the mm-hmm. beginning of the season, they said all the right things that we're not in rebuilding. No, no. We're, we're contending for a playoff spot. So... It, when, you, when you're batting behind an automatic out like that, who's leaving ducks in the pond left and right, of course it's going to be frustrating for those guys. They'll, they'll, they'll try to support him as a friend, but I mean, th- this isn't a surprise. I think it gives them cover. You know, you can say, if you can point to something else and be like, oh man, it's not about my boy here. It's, he's going through some stuff, but this Willie Calhoun guy, he's also done everything. I can make it about Willie. That means you're not putting the focus on Rugnad for being demoted for being bad. You're saying, hey, man, we got a chance to let Calhoun go up there and do his thing. And it gives Rugnad a chance to work on what he's got. It gives cover to management and to players. The question is, are we going to actually see it happen? You know, Is that what's going to come out in the next couple weeks? Uh, or is it going to be a thing where when Elvis is healthy or you know, even before then, 
does uh, Calhoun get sent back down so that Rangers fans can keep watching keep watching a guy with a sub six hundred OPS go out there and play every day? Because he is a young player, he is under contract. He did have some very good highs. I mean, there was there were some stretches there where Rimenador was a very good ball player. This is a season where you're not expecting to be a you're not expecting um, Rigmanodor's poor play to be the difference between this team going to the World Series and not. You can afford to let him work stuff out, but at what point is it? Are you not really working stuff out? Are you just watching a guy flounder? We'll find out, I guess. I think we will, and I think we're going to find out sooner rather than later. Because I, I mean, and this is my hope. Nothing against Odor, but I hope that. Willie forces the issue. He just says, look at me. I'm not going back down. You're going to want to keep playing me. Yeah, if right in a now, week, that's what it looks like. When Elvis is healthy and you've got a, a Calhoun who's rocking a roughly 300 batting average with a 350 or higher OBP and has kept the power going, you know, you're not getting troubling strikeout numbers. If you've got that guy on the roster and your decision is between two backup players, you know, Forsyth and, and Santana bring a lot of value in that they are bench guys. It, you don't care if they sit on the bench. They're backups. That's, that's their job is to fill in where you need them and to give guys days off. So your choices in starters are Calhoun with that statting line and Odor. I, I know what I would pick. I know what I would pick. And we know what Hayden would pick. <laughs> Which do is, we? Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> I think we do. <laughs> I think we do. So uh, uh, thanks again to Hayden for freeing us tonight to, to discuss Rugnet Odor in less than glowing terms. <laughs> uh, speaking of glowing, uh, did you see Joey Gallo's home run today? You mean his pop fly? Yeah, the thing that caught fire on re-entry into the atmosphere? Yeah, yeah. I didn't see it. I heard it. And... Again, I was I was in the car when I was listening to the game for quite a bit today, and Nadell was calling it, and it was a surprise that it was a home run because he was like, "Oh, he's chasing this one down. He's out to the warning track, and it just keeps going." I was uh, at work. I had it up on my secondary screen, and I was uh, on a phone call, so I had it muted. And I, I watched it. I was like, "Ah, damn!" A little pop up at the end of the bat, and then I saw the runner going, the fielder going back. I was like, ah, "Joey Gallup." Did that on a pop-up? That's funny. Wait. Wait, is he still going? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> like, it just kept going on. Jose Leclerc uh, attempted to field it in the bullpen. Because everyone, even in the bullpen, knew that was a pop-up barely off the dirt. And then it just kind of kept going. So Leclerc belatedly ran over there and tried to catch it on the fly. It was pretty funny looking. That is funny. Yeah, they put it at uh, it's 400 something feet. It's like 150 feet in the air. Like... At its peak point, <laughs> moonshots. Forty-three uh, degree launch angle. Yeah, one of the highest uh, launch angles this season. Just funny stuff. Uh, do love to see our the the podcast beloved adult son doing crazy stuff. Uh, his WRC plus is sitting at a very sexy one sixty-eight. He's still on basing over four hundred. He's still slugging over six fifty. We never doubted him for a second. Honestly, we really didn't though. No. Yeah. No, we didn't. We've talked about this for once. a long time. We are ahead of. I mean, we are as ahead of the curve as other smart Rangers fans, I think, have been. Um, and I think it's just fun to see Gallo be so good and to give everyone else the opportunity to just have fun watching Joey Gallo. Because there's been so many people who have 
clearly not been able to enjoy watching him because they think he's bad, that letting him go out there and just beat the ever-loving hell out of baseball is very cool. Like, I hope all of y'all are having as much fun as we've been having because it's very fun. Like, he's a cool baseball player. And for those of you who didn't believe in him, I hope you're eating as much crow as possible. Get that crow. Get some crow pie, crow pizza. Crow sandwiches. Crow pasta. Crow coquettes. Crow croquettes. Crow croquettes. Yeah, that's hard croquettes. to say. <laughs> crow croquettes, yeah. Some French nonsense. Yes. Crow croissant. <laughs> that's it. I, I promise that's the last French I'm going to try on this podcast. Uh, Joey Gallo. Very good. Uh, speaking of guys in relation to Joey Gallo, uh, Jose Leclerc, who did try to field that ball, is apparently opening tomorrow. Is that what you're saying? That's what I hear. Very fun. Do you think they're going to open him the way they opened with Jeff Springs, where he inexplicably pitches into the third inning? No, I'm pretty sure he's going to be in a pretty strict pitch count. I mean, this guy, this guy's your closer. And I hope they learn from Feliz that don't, don't have your closer throw too many pitches. Mm-hmm. Or else you might ruin him for life. Save so, those bullets. I beg your pardon? Save those bullets. Yes, yes. Now, I would not be surprised to see him come out for the second inning. I'd be surprised to see him pitch two consecutive innings unless he's, you know, got eight pitch innings in each. I, I, I would say 15 to 20 pitches and he's done. That's what I would do if I were the manager. And it's going to be Sampson coming up behind him, right? That is correct. Okay, so in theory, so the the Royals lineup uh, to today went um, in, in the last two games went Merrifield, Whit Merrifield, Nicky Lopez, and then uh, Adalberto or Raul Mondesi Jr. Uh, with Alex Gordon batting cleanup. So Gordon is a left-handed hitter. If Leclerc pitches a one-two-three first, I, you can see him coming out to face the lefty Gordon, and then Sampson coming in to face the righty Dozier and the rest of the lineup. That kind of makes some sense to me. You know, take advantage of that opener thing, which is that you let a guy go out there who's just going to dominate some of those best hitters, and then give your your starter a chance to work through most of his pitch count and the back end, and then only face the the best hitters maybe twice. Um, so that that's an interesting thing. I also really like the idea of using Leclerc as an opener in that the Rangers are clearly trying to get his head right. And in part, they want to give him more regular pitching opportunities. You know, he's just been kind of going out there. It feels randomly for the last few weeks. And we've seen some good Leclerc outings. Uh, the last two times I've been watching a game where he's appeared, he has definitely looked like the Jose Leclerc of old. So I think a, an opener sort of setup for him is actually pretty cool. It definitely doesn't feel like, I think psychologically, for if that was me, I don't feel like I'm being coddled, like I'm being uh, handcuffed and demoted to some crappy mop-up role. Opener is a big deal. You know, you, you put good relievers in, in there as an opener because you know they give you a good chance. It's also scheduled. Uh, he knows about it. He can prepare for it, which is part of what we're told is good about the closer closer can kind of see their opportunity coming you know you don't you don't get called on suddenly to be to come out and close the game usually generally speaking by the sixth seventh eighth inning you know it's going to be your day you you see that score you're like i know what's going on it's going to be my thing you can kind of get yourself psyched up get yourself amped up that's very different from coming in as a regular reliever or as a fireman um i don't know you know again we're not i don't want to psychoanalyze jose leclerc but getting him back on a kind of regular schedule where you're like hey man 
I want you to go out there Friday morning, afternoon, whatever, do your work. You're going to go out there, you're going to start, and you're just going to shove for an inning. Sounds good to me. Yeah, I think more than anything else, it, it kind of speaks to the Rangers having an actual plan for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they took him out of high leverage situations. You know, they're they're testing him a little bit um, by math, which can be fuzzy. I think he's been very effective in three out of his last four outings. It looks like he's regaining his form. Um, doesn't mean he's fixed, but it means he's on his way. And they say, okay, the next step is we're going to put you in a high leverage situation at the beginning of the game, facing nothing but starters, facing the top of the lineup. Let's see what you've got. You know, I, I, I think they've probably been very vocal in communicating all of this to him, so none of this is a surprise to him. And, and he can see his path back to becoming the closer because that's where he belongs. I certainly hope so. Because it was fun, that brief period where we had arguably the American League's best pitcher coming in in the ninth inning to, to guarantee you some wins. Yes. Whew. He's just he's so nasty when he's on. Um, I'm definitely going to tune in for that first inning tomorrow and hopefully for the whole game, but for sure for uh, LeClerc's outing and see if we can get that, that moxie back a little bit, see if we can get that fire from Jose on the mound. Because if Texas can get him right again, you, you do have an interesting little core of players uh, for the rest of this season and going into next year. You know, If they're not traded, you've got Mike Miner and Lance Lynn. You've got a young core of a recent, you know, an ascendant Joey Gallo. You've still got whatever is left of Rugnet Odor and Nomar Mazzara. Um, Ronald Guzman has got the power going for him this season. Obviously, he's been hurt, so he hasn't really played a ton of games. But what we have seen, I think, has generally been what you want. Let the big, ogre first baseman just mash. You know, that guy should be putting balls in the seats. And he's doing it so far. Uh, you know, big home run against the Royals in the Wednesday game. <sighs> Hope that kind of keeps going. If Jose Leclerc is at the back end of that, that bullpen and you've got Emmanuel Classe either already in the bigs or kicking down the door. A couple other of these relief types. Uh, anything of Yoel Espinal, Kyle Bird. There's a whole mess of guys at Frisco and Oh, Joe Barlow. Nashville. Don't forget him. Yeah, Joe Barlow has been wild, like that, but in a good way, just crazy. Yeah. Demarcus Evans uh, looks like a guy who yes. could be playing in the majors next season. Uh, then you've got some of the, maybe the less heralded names, but really interesting dudes. Brady Feigl continues to impress at, at AAA. You've got there's a lot of options. I mean, this this Texas team has potentially got a lot of players to sort through uh, on that relief pile. I think. Oh yeah, it, on, on that front, I mean, um, the Joe Barlow thing. There is an article on the Athletic for you guys who are subscribers subscribers to that that uh, Jimmy Newberg, I believe, wrote uh, this morning, and he listed. All the guys that the Rangers need to add to the forty-man to avoid the oh, Rule Five draft. Oh dear God, we're going to lose some guys. It's yeah, a lot of dudes. It's scary. It's scary. It, it, I'm glad that they've got all these pitchers on one-year contracts that aren't with the team right now because they're going to have to dump all of them and then fill up that roster with forty-man guys. I, I, and they're still they're still going to lose guys. Although I did see the guy that they lost to was it to Toronto in the last Rule Five draft was 
designated for assignment, we may end up getting uh, him back. Reed Garrett with the yes. Tigers, I think. That's right. Well, you yeah. know, tr- Detroit, Toronto, the same general they area. Are actually, pretty close to each other. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that list, though, of players. So, Tyler Phillips, Emmanuel Classe, Leda Tavares, and Anderson Tejeda all seem like locks. They're pretty much guaranteed. I think we will see Classe this season um, if he continues to be impressive. He's had one very, very bad outing with Frisco. He went like a third of an inning and gave up five runs, so his ERA sucks. But he continues to basically not throw pitches below 100 miles an hour, which that's cool. He, he hit 102 in his last outing. That's fun. <laughs> Keep doing that, Manny. Uh, uh, and as Mr. Newberg writes after that, we've got Joe Barlow, Demarcus Evans, Edgar Arredondo, Emerson Martinez, Kyle Cody, Reed Anderson, Brady Feigl, Peter Fairbanks, and Jake Lemoyne, Shirt and Apostle, Curtis Terry, Charles LeBlanc, Yanni Hernandez, Michael DeLeon, Peter Gonzalez, and Eli White. So, get the shot. So, so yeah, I think we're going to lose at least two or three guys in Rule 5. Doesn't mean they may not come back to us. They may not be ready for the majors, but mm-hmm. there's too much talent there. That's a long list of really Feigl, good names. Fairbanks, and Lemoyne all seem like dudes who are, are yeah, kind of classic Rule Fives. They're relievers who you figure have the stuff to kind of stash in the back end of a bullpen, like what Texas is doing with Kyle Dowdy so far. He throws hard, and yeah, yeah, hope it works. Um, there's some starters in there. Obviously, the, the top four are pretty set in, but uh, Arredondo and Emerson Martinez have flashed some interesting stuff this season. Yeah, I mean, those are those are swing guys. Those are guys that, that have are fringe starters who are probably their way through this world in Major League Baseball is going to be as a reliever. Let's, let's be honest. But someone's going to take a flyer on those guys. Well, and organizations need to have those swing guys, and, and I think we can point to that and look at what happened when Texas did not have Johan Mendez available, and that meant that Taylor Hearn had to come up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's that, huge. That lineup rolled out such that Harado was, happened to be unavailable on the day that Texas needed a starter. And we ruined him. Two, it, it took one night, three. and we ruined him. You, you want to have two or maybe even three optionable swing men who can come up and, and spot start for you. Uh, and you re- you want to have that many so that you don't have a situation like Texas had exactly this season in which Ariel Harada was not available because he had just pitched. You need a guy to make one start. Uh, oh, crap. M- Mendez is hurt. Uh, who do we go to next? Oh, there's nobody. You call up your you know, your closest to the bigs top-end pitching prospect to make a start in April. Ugh. And you're reminded this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. You know, also, I can't have nice things because they keep breaking. Ugh. Oh, my God. It, this has been a heart-wrenching early start to the season already. Just, they're dropping like flies. Uh, I made a joke uh, with you guys yesterday. You get Tommy John surgery. You get Tommy John surgery. Everybody gets Tommy John surgery. It's it's the Oprah gif. It's, it's, it's freaking ridiculous how... Our guys keep getting hurt. Yeah, big news off the farm this week. Cole Reagans, the 2017 first-round pick by Texas, who underwent Tommy John surgery in spring training last season. Uh, The surgery did not take. Uh, It was announced that he will need a second to to reattach the ligament in his elbow. Uh, It's not clear to me if that meant that it was another full tear and this is a full Tommy John or if this is... um, 
I don't know. But uh, he's going to be out for another year and a half. And and my heart breaks for this guy. I mean, to go back to back like that. I mean that mm-hmm. uh, that's a that's a three year journey for him. Uh, you just can't imagine. It, and and Cole Reagans is a name that we know. I mean. He was the next Cole Hamels. He yeah. he's got the same name. He's got the same style. Cole Hamels is his idol. The guy has not pitched above short season A. Think about that. Yep. And this was the week he was supposed to make um, an extended spring appearance. You know, get his first kind of quote unquote start uh, out there. And he his elbow was barking, so they took him in, and they're like, "Well, yeah, it fell off again. Sorry, man." Yeah. Yeah. And and you hope it's it's one of those half where they they're they're not grafting a new tendon in they're reattaching it. Johnny Venters is the guy who's had three and a half Tommy Johns who made it back to the big leagues this season. And one time, a stud Braves reliever before he basically fell off the face of the earth for several years. But there's a reason that Johnny Venters was in the news and that, that it was remarkable that he'd had so many Tommy Johns and came back. And you don't want to see a guy have two Tommy John surgeries back to back. Just because it's it's hard. It's hard to sit out that long. It's hard to keep aging. It's hard to just generally recover from surgeries. Yeah. Not good. And yeah. I mean, and, and he's missing out on important reps. I mean, it, mm-hmm. that's that's the thing is is that these guys are down the minors for a reason. They've got to have repeatable delivery. They've got to keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And th- this is huge for him. Look what he's happened to Jackson Yeah, he's way behind the eight ball now. I yeah. mean, That's he's miles point. behind these guys that are coming up behind him, and it, it's just, it's awful. And you add to that, we had Mason Engler, Englert, Englert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and Owen White, same and situation. Owen White, yeah, two of our top three pitching prospects that we drafted last year, they've gone down. Mm-hmm. And they both went down, and they were part of that deload program, which you have to imagine is going to come under a lot of scrutiny. Oh, it already has for me. Is it tied? But because of that deal, which when it was announced last season, I thought it was kind of interesting. It was sort of novel. Take some stress off. Don't have them pitch in game situations. You can have them pitch. They're still working. They're working with pro coaches. You're focusing on uh, on weightlifting, on fitness, on diet, on being a professional pitcher, on having them go out there and chart pitches the way all those minor league kids do. Work on that stuff, but don't have them taking the mound every couple of – it's interesting. It's interesting. And why has another team done it? Oh, maybe now we know. It, somebody has to go out there and try. You of know, course, and, 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 and I credit them for thinking outside the box, but yeah. the early returns are really it's, bad. It's pretty rough. <laughs> it's hard to say, just because these pitching injuries are so crazy, if it's related yet. But, oh, man, it certainly doesn't... It's not promising right now. If I was one of the two billionaires that own this team, I think I would tell JD, you know what? I don't care whether this is cause and effect or not. Cut it out. Mm. That's exactly what I would say. I'm Don't get cute. Go back to the way everybody else is doing things. And just given what we know about the personalities involved here, I would love to be a fly in the wall for a conversation between ownership, JD, and uh, Kyle Bodie with Driveline. Yeah, because Bodie is a very opinionated man. He's, he definitely aggressively sells his product. And yeah, you, can, you can point to some of his success and say this guy clearly is doing a pretty good job with some of these guys. I would love to see what Mr. Bodie has to think about some of these early pitching injuries with Texas because you know that Texas is working pretty closely with driveline uh, and, and some of their decisions are being made at the lower levels. 
So this is a conversation I, I think that we will uh, likely have if we continue to talk about the miners. Um, you know, we'll hopefully get get some of our, our miners experts on here in the coming weeks and have some of these discussions. But you know what's going on with the organization. And you know it really sucks to have White and Angler not have any pro stats last year, miss all of this season. They're going to miss the bulk of next season. So they're not going to be touching, you know, toe in the rubber in a professional game where the stats are counted by somebody until their third year, late in their third seasons. Yeah. Woo. That's not good. You, you got to ask what that looks like for long-term development. <sighs> anyway, Cole Wynn pitched today for Hickory. That's cool. I didn't noticeably see his arm fall off while watching that game. That's good. Progress. Yeah, gave up two runs in the first inning. Um, yeah, he's 19, making his uh, his full season debut. Got a couple strikeouts. Uh, uh, walked a couple guys. Made it through three innings. Did what you wanted him to do. He went out there. He pitched. Uh, yeah, he bounced back from that uh, that kind of rough first. Um. Oh no! Sorry, he gave the run, the runs in the, in the third inning, uh, but not the first inning. But still, did what you wanted him to do. He pitched. He looked like a pitcher. He didn't. He didn't break. <laughs> nice. Nice to see. So there is hope. There is hope somewhere out there. Very dim. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like uh, oh, the scene in Dumber Dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. <sighs> It's well, a very and, uh, small chance, Rangers fans. Things are bleak. Don't get excited anytime soon. Maybe Brock Burke recovers from his blisters and shoulder fatigue, which, man, that sucks to hear. Yeah. Um, sh- anything shoulder-related is very scary. And maybe Taylor Hearns has no long-term effects from us rushing him to the majors. And maybe Jonathan Hernandez suddenly finds control and becomes the prospect we want him to be. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Mm, yeah, not gonna, not gonna hold out too much hope. But you can, you can still dream on it. And, and Hans Kraus continues to impress at the lower levels. But he's, he's uh, actually, from what I read, I guess he's, he's not on the Hickory roster at the moment. They moved him over to extended spring in Arizona because they want to limit his innings. Mm-hmm. But it's a paper move. There's no injury or anything like that. But they're uh, they're because Cole Wynn had to come up to pitch today, uh, and in theory they might be getting some other guys to do that. So they're going to cycle through some of these more likely Spokane right. pitchers, and so that uh, it gives them a chance to say they don't have to DL Hans Kraus, but they can kind of soft skip a start here and there by uh, putting him on you know eight days rest or whatever you want to do. Gotcha. By, uh, moving him from team to team. That that was the impression I got. I, I might not be right. I'd uh, love to, to talk it to Tepid or Kevin Carter about that. But that did look like it what it was to me. And, hey, if, if that's what you think is the, the correct decision to take, you don't want to aggressively run Kraus out there and, you know, pitch him into the dirt at A-ball. But, and, and that's funny. That's, that's one of the things, I, I guess, because I will say I've, I've been a lifelong Rangers fan, Rangers fan but it's only been doing this podcast has, has got me to really focus on what's going on in the minor league system. 
it's really a quantum leap what they expect these guys to do going from level to level to get up to the major league level where they can pitch 200 innings in a season i mean these guys they're they're throwing nothing when they come in i mean 40 innings is huge 60 mm-hmm. innings i mean it, it, it it's it's amazing what they have to do to get these guys ready to play major league baseball yeah that and and there's I think it's easy as a fan to forget that going from affiliate to affiliate, that travel, meeting new guys, playing for a f- functionally a new team, new management, new coaches, uh, new cities, like that matters a ton. Especially so, Hans Kraus, he's going to be twenty years old all season. Uh, yeah, he's he's been pitching in, in Hickory, South Carolina, where he had to move from Spokane, Washington. Not only are those like, what three thousand miles away from each other, but if anybody listening to this has been to either of those places, you can probably guess that they're not very similar to each other. <laughs> Hickory, North Carolina, and, and Spokane, Washington. Um, they're near mountains. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Basically the same place. Yeah, I'm sure and, and near oceans, sort of. And he, he came from California, and he was out in Arizona in the complex league and then goes in there to Spokane and now he has to move to Hickory and if he has a good season they'll ask him to go not particularly far away from Hickory to Kinston, South Carolina just down the road man you've moved I've moved moving even in the same town can be weird even if you're in the same bed night to night if that bed is in a new room like it's sort of strange moving sucks and you're asking these kids to do that Oftentimes, with not very much money. Now, Kraus is a—he's doing okay for himself. He had a, a pretty good bonus coming out. Yeah, of he's a bonus baby. Yeah, so, yeah. He's not having to you know, pinch his pennies to afford a U-Haul to, to move from place to place. But still, he's a kid. That's there's a lot that is being asked of these guys. Um, you know, he pitched 20 innings in, in 2017. He pitched 55 innings last season. I'm sure they want him to go 110. Oh, I think that's a lot. I, I would say 80, 80, yeah. 80 to 90 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then and you're still, the year after that between high A and double A that he gets to 120, 130. Yeah. And then his first season in the majors, you, you hope that he can get 150, 160. It's just... Yeah, between double A, triple A and the bigs. Yeah. And you know he's going to be gassed by the end of it. It's, yeah. It's crazy. You're, you're moving to new places. You're working with new folks. You're, you're meeting new teammates. You're having to get the... Like, how difficult are we told it is to work with a new catcher in the bigs? Well, how hard is it when you're going from one 18-year-old catcher to a different 19-year-old catcher? I mean, these kids are still learning what they're doing behind the plate, and you're now having to kind of start over? And that's, that's rough. That's hard. That's why baseball is the hardest sport. It's crazy. Uh, hopefully we just see some of this hard work really paying off at the big league level. I mean, I'm watching Joe Palumbo right now. Struck a guy out. Good on you, Mr. Palumbo. Um, you're hoping these kids are able to pop up from, from Frisco to Arlington, and that's not that long a drive, depending on traffic, but <laughs> that is a monstrous move going yeah. from, from Frisco to Arlington yeah. as a ball player. Not as a fan, maybe, but as a ball player. It's uh, pretty crazy. Some guys make it. Some guys don't. Uh, let's hope that for once the baseball gods smile down upon Texas and they actually get a couple of these guys to click. Like, how cool would it be if Willie Calhoun actually just is good? 
he's not going back down. That's my prediction. I don't know that I would take that bet. Yeah, I, I don't like losing money. Not, yeah. not a big fan of just throwing money away. He's obviously playing way over his head right now. He's not going to be a 400 hitter. I'll be he's the first to say He's not going to have it. a 1,500 <laughs> ops. Yeah. No. I'm yeah. pretty sure he's not going to be able to sustain that. But he's going to hit well enough. There's no way they can, with good conscience, send him back down. They're going to have to make a decision on a Forsyth, on a Santana, somebody, or an Odor, but down in the minors, whatever. They're going to have to make room for him, and and that's that's my prediction. He, he could fall off a cliff tomorrow, and he could go over the next fifty four like Chris Davis. But I'm, oh. I'm betting on him. Yeah, it looks good so far. I hope it keeps going. Uh, Willie has been freed. The, the monkey paw uh, bit us with Elvis Andrews, but let's 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 keep it rolling. Uh, he's the kind of player I think I like to root for at least. Guy kind of overcoming something, doing what he's got to do. I'm going to keep pulling for it. Let's hope he's joined sooner rather than later by some of his uh, other top minor league prospects. I know uh, Taylor Hearn supposedly being reevaluated to see what his situation looks like in that elbow, and, and hopefully he's good to start pitching again sometime next week uh, in, in rehab settings. Brock Burke dealing with that shoulder injury and with his blisters. Hopefully he kind of gets out of that stuff as well, and the Rangers start getting those guys that we were talking about early season as our mid- and late-season reinforcements and, and promising prospects. Uh, I hope we start seeing them, and I hope a couple of them have debuts, more like Willie Calhoun and less like Taylor Hearn. You know, if it doesn't mean something in the grand scheme, obviously it's a lot better to come up and hit a big home run in your first game up. Now, it wasn't his first major league game, but his first game of the season. It means a lot more to have a, a good first crack at it than not. So uh, we're all pulling for it, and hopefully we get to see it pretty soon. Well, you got anything else that you needed to holler about today? Um, not on the baseball front. <laughs> okay, well, we can spend another hour. Bonus episode. We're just going to yell at each other about Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, politics, religion, you okay. name it. The yeah. classics. But on the Rangers, I'm good. The things you tune into a baseball podcast. <laughs> uh, y'all want me to talk about new, uh, policy coming out of the state of Alabama? I've got takes. Nobody <laughs> wants it. So, uh, again, thank you, Hayden, for allowing us to make this into a Game of Thrones podcast. That's right, people. Roast Hayden on Twitter. He does not watch Game of Thrones. Maybe he's the smart one? Uh, hard to say. Maybe he's the Night King. Oh man, Hayden was the Night King all along. What if? What if? That's the why Night he's King, not here now. Yeah. That's why he's not here. What if yeah. the Night King was the Haydens we met along the way? <laughs> well, uh, I'm gonna have to go and think about this a lot. I think there's some pretty serious concerns that we have raised here about the the makeup of this podcast group. So uh, I'm gonna go drink wine and no things. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. It is what I do. Uh, and watch baseball. Go baseball. It's fun. Go Rangers. Go Rangers. <laughs>